Have you ever wondered what it's like for other people to go through a life event? Is it the same for them? Is it different? And how? My name is Dr. Nikel Rogers-Wood. I'm a psychologist. I'm doing a podcast with my mom, Dr. Elsa Rogers, a retired dean of general studies. And we're going to be talking to different people about what it's like to go through a single life event at the same time. To quote the Backstreet Boys, oh my gosh, we're back again. Yes, we are. Yes, we are back. And mom, this is actually the podcast season that nearly never was. I wasn't sure if we'd have more to talk about. You and I, uh, we talk all the time, but the stuff that we talk about, um, I don't think they're worthy of a podcast. I beg your pardon? We always have scintillating conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Says you. Yes, 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 yes. If you can't ask him what the deer ate last night and which errands we need to run. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the fascinating stuff. It's exactly what people want to listen to when they're in the car taking a walk. (laughs) But I'm serious when I say that this season nearly never happened. Um, Because when I think back to the interviews that we did on our last two seasons, I enjoyed all the conversations we had, and it seemed like the theme was easy to come by. Um, But as you and I kind of talked about, oh, well, do we want to do this again? There weren't any new ideas that we felt really excited us or jumped out at us. Plus, I mean, we started this podcast during lockdown when suddenly we had all kinds of time. And now life post lockdown is pretty busy. So I kind of thought we might have completed our podcast journey. Yeah, so did I. So what are we doing here? So out of the blue, I got a message from someone I knew in college. Uh, Her name is Lauren Huffmaster. And this was back at the end of 2021. And that message resulted in a phone call. And what we talked about kind of seemed like a conversation that should be had at a larger scale, like that no one was talking about some of the the questions and topics she was raising. And Uh the more we talked, the more I thought, well, you know, a podcast seems like a really good way to have this conversation. But I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit. But I'll tell you what, no, I'm really curious. So (laughs) what's the season about? Oh, like you don't know. (laughs) You were there for all of the interviews. Okay, um, Nikel, I'm pretending just for effect. <laughs> so this time, rather than cluing our listeners in on the front end and telling them what the season's all about, I'd rather knit the story together in a different way from the beginning. So, you know, we get to know our guests a little bit and then over time, we'll see what unites them, because that is one of the cool things you and I landed on when we started this podcast. Yeah, but you know, we have to tell our listeners, we are still on our theme of at the same time. So after doing the interviews, what would you say is the theme 
of season three? Well, if I were to think of a theme for season three, I would say perhaps some unexpected rediscovery. Yeah, I think that that fits. So let's meet our guests, shall we? My name is Molly and I'm from Hawaii. I am, um, Mikel and I met 22 years ago and we've been best friends since. Um, I am, formerly, I was an entertainment director for a major cruise line and I left because I wanted to have children. So I have twin toddlers and um, one boy, one girl. And I reinvented myself during 2020 and I am currently a scrum master, Salesforce administrator slash nonprofit consultant um, and a business analyst for um, the Nakapuna Foundation. And it's been pretty amazing. Um, Nikel, you acted like figuring out what we'll be talking about would be such a mystery. But, you know, listening to Malu has made things pretty obvious. Oh, what's that? Making a drastic change in life. Yes, but no. So let's introduce another guest to see if you and the listeners can pick up the thread. My name is Amy Artuso. I am willing to share that I am 48 years old. I live in Florida. Uh, I am the mo- I'm uh, very happily married. It's my second marriage. We together have four children. We're a blended family, um, and so they are my priority. Amy's also had over 25 years experience with children's health and wellness. Before that, I worked, I also worked um, for the U.S. Department of the Army and Child and Youth Services, and I was a certified child life specialist in pediatrics. So um, I hope that those experiences will lend to this conversation. Oh, I got it. Working mom? Let's track with our next one. So I'm Sarah Haverstick. I uh, feel a little bit like I'm at work right now. So usually I say I'm safety advocate. So I work in the field of child passenger safety. I live, you know, with my family in Florida. I've got two young kids, so a three-year-old and a 10-year-old. So we are very busy all the time. Um, we might have done a little bit of animal adopting during the pandemic. So we are now two dogs and four cats into our fur-legged journey also with the family. So we've got that has added a lot in the last couple of years. But yeah, I, you know, we spend a lot of time at home hanging out. I have been in the field of child passenger safety for 15 years. So it's um, not just a career, but it's really a passion for me. So we it's fun to get to do a lot of educating with families all across the country. That's, you know, a big focus of what I do every day. And can I ask a question? Yeah. I've never heard of the the role of a passenger safety. Can you tell us some more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I didn't know much about it when I got into this either. Uh, my background, I went to Rutgers, go RU up in Jersey, uh, and I was a political science undergrad. So, you know, my background was I thought I would, you know, go and, you know, live out the dream of the West Wing because that was like my favorite show in high school. So I'm, you know, going to go change the world and, you know, be that person. And 
Uh, I did actually go and work for the mayor of Nashville. So that was my first big job out of college. Um, but then as he was leaving office, I moved over to Vanderbilt and worked at the children's hospital for many years. But I was told at the very beginning, like, okay, one of your outreach projects are these car seat checks. We're gonna call all these law enforcement officers. You're gonna try and convince people to show up at your car seat check, you know, and, and then you're gonna bring all this stuff, you know, here's all the supplies. So the first one we did, I'm on the phone begging people to show up to help me as these car seat technician people who I really didn't know much about, you know, please come and help. We're gonna be at this, you know, school for two hours this afternoon. Uh, and then when I get there, you know, I'm setting up tents, I'm getting everything together, but then I couldn't help the families. Like then I'm just, you know, kind of there twiddling my thumbs while these people that I had begged to show up were doing the work. And I said, hold on, you know, we can do more than this. So then that started my injury prevention and child passenger safety journey. So I became a car seat technician. It's a national certification program um, where you learn how to properly use, install car seats. It's really about education and empowerment for families. Uh, unfortunately, we know that car seats are mostly not used correctly. Uh, so car seat technicians are there to really help families feel comfortable and feel confident in the work that they're doing with their kids because unfortunately you know motor vehicle crashes are the leading cause of unintentional injury death for kids uh, so despite the fact that we've got really fabulous car seats out there if you don't understand how to use your car seat or you're not using the right car seat for your child it's not really going to be a big benefit so you know once we went through the class one week before i got married was when i got certified um, exactly oh, a week wow. before the wedding day we finished the class and uh it's just been a passion since then so you know i was a car seat technician long before i had kids when i had my babies it was literally the only thing i wasn't terrified about before my daughter was born 10 years ago <laughs> i could yeah. get her in the car seat everything else was you know complete chaos but the car seat i could handle but that is terrifying. Those infant car seats, it's like, does it go like this or is it backwards? Is it tighter? Right. Yeah, there's a yeah, lot that goes into that. We could have a whole nother discussion on that. If you ever want to do a podcast <laughs> on Let's Talk Car Seats, I'm your girl. <laughs> uh, I don't think I got it. Yeah, that, that one kind of threw a wrench in there. <laughs> so maybe the fourth one will get it. My name is Lauren and I um, am a young mom. I was uh, living as a teacher, I was raising my kids, um, we were having the typical perfect American life, we always said, two dogs, three and a, two and a half kids, and a picket fence. Uh, not quite. Okay, so still nothing? In that case, I think it's time to tell you. Recently, I've been diagnosed with cancer. The, the timing um, is kind of ironic for me, or symbolic, if you will, because this week marked the one-year anniversary of me hearing the words, you have cancer. Oh, wow. But, you know, I wound up being diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, which leukemia is a blood cancer. Um, so that's like, essentially my tumor was my blood. You know, my blood was not doing what it needed to be doing. When my children were two, four, and six, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. That's really sad. Yes, but, and there's a really big but, 
Miguel. <laughs> no, no, no. This isn't a Sir Mix a Lot moment. It's just to say that in our society, this is where the story usually ends uh, that somebody gets cancer and oh my gosh, their life is over and that's it. But really, it, it's so much more than that. And that's what the season is about. I, I think you're right because most of the time we hear about an illness, but we forget the person who's experiencing that illness and we need to get to know that person. Exactly. So I think the whole experience of being diagnosed with a life-threatening illness causes someone to kind of shift their perspective and their realization begins to shift and they begin reinventing or rediscovering themselves for who they are. Yeah. So essentially in this life, illness happens and the question that we all have to answer for ourselves is, will you let that illness define you or will you be the one to redefine your life? Let's listen. Cancer does this, it shifts your identity. In one way or another, every expectation you had for life is just now in question. And so um, for me, I was just no exception to this. My terminal diagnosis really put me in a tailspin. I didn't know what to do, except to me, stage four cancer meant death and dying. And so I woke up every day and I tried to figure out how to die better. That's That was my only goal. I woke up and just tried to figure out how to die better. And, um, clean my house and separate my things into groups and for my kids, each of my kids and my nieces and nephews and, and that's all I did and I did that for three months every single day and at three month mark I woke up and said I don't feel like I'm any closer to dying well <laughs> you know this this isn't helping me right and it's it's really I'm not the person I want to be I'm living in a very dark space I feel like it's getting darker all the time and I really had this moment where I was frozen. I sat on the side of my bed and I was frozen. And I said, if I get up today and I do the same thing I did yesterday, I don't know that this cycle will ever be different. And is that how I want my life to be lived out? And at that point, I didn't know if I had a year or two years or any of, I just didn't know. But I thought, I sat there for a long time and said, if I had two years and I spent every day dying, what did I live for? Like, why, why was I, why did I have life at all? And so I decided right then that whatever time I had, I was going to spend every single day living to the greatest extent possible for that day and for the purposes and the passions of my heart. And I would move toward my passions, not toward my death. That was Lauren, the mom of three who was a teacher before she was diagnosed with cancer. So what does it take to have such clarity of purpose? Also, why is it so difficult for us to get that kind of clarity? I mean, moving toward what brings us the most joy, gives our lives meaning, it becomes harder as we get older. Why is it so difficult for us to have that clarity when life is hopefully routine or even mundane? When uh, I'm seeing clients, I often ask them, what do you want your life to be about? So it seems really curious that if existentially having meaning and purpose helps us to live a better life, that we can lose sight of that so easily. Um, and it's often the thing that goes out the window first when we 
are looking at, okay, what is it that I need to do today, particularly during adulthood? So for me, it's, I think about not being able to see the forest for the trees. And whenever I use that, um, that metaphor, I think about my high school English teacher. So she used to use that metaphor all the time. And I never really got it. Actually, when I wanted to use it in class, I had to pause and think, okay, am I saying it right? Is it forest for the trees or trees for the forest? Um, But as I got older, I actually started to understand what it, what it means. So essentially we get so caught up in the details that we lose sight of what all of it means, what it's all for. And to bring it down to something more specific, in my life, one clear area where that happens is with the dishes. They're going to be there later, I promise. And there will probably be even more of them. But it's still really difficult for me to stop and say, you know, this other thing is more important. Especially if that other thing is resting, watching Bluey with my kids, or something that's not on my to-do list. But when you think about it, isn't all that other stuff, rest, connecting with other people, isn't that really what life is about? Of course, it goes without saying that no one wants to be diagnosed with cancer. But there's something about the journey through crisis that causes a fundamental shift in the person who's been diagnosed. And in some cases, there's also a shift in those who walk that journey alongside that person. One of the hardest things for people to navigate when they go through a major change that's not expected and often not wanted is the discomfort, the pain, the confusion. And when I am working with clients who are in this kind of space, the question that most frequently comes up is, can't I skip this part? And I always say no. We can't. We need to live through it and try to learn something in the process. So what you'll notice as we learn more about each of our guests is who they are as people and what their individual journey was like and some of the takeaways that they gained from their journey. It promises to be a very interesting season. And although we are discussing something heavy, cancer, something that has touched every area of these women's lives, we also learn a lot about resilience and hope and new ways of seeing the world around us. I really hope that you will join us to get to know each of these women. They're really incredible and just about every interview ran long because they're so interesting and I, I left each conversation feeling inspired And I hope that in listening to our episodes this season, that you too will leave feeling inspired. This season on At The Same Time. I had fallen apart, but I knew that I couldn't just fall into depression. Because again, I'm a single mom of twin four-year-olds. You know, a little boy and a little girl who rely heavily on me. And luckily I'm blessed because I'm currently living with my parents who are incredibly supportive and in helping me with the kids, especially when I was that sick before. But 
going down without a fight was not an option for me. We hope you'll join us again for episode two so that you can learn more about these incredible women, their journey, and what they learned along the way. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate and subscribe to, at the same time, on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. That way, you won't miss a single episode. We'd love for you to connect with us online. Our website is sametimepod.fireside.fm. You can also send us an email. Our address is sametimepod at gmail.com. Thank you to our guests, Malu Panohu, Amy Artuzo, Sarah Haverstick, and Lauren Huffmaster. Episode written and produced by Dr. Nikkel Rogers-Wood. Music by purpleplanet.com. Copyright 2022 by Nikkel Rogers-Wood, PhD, and Elsa Rogers, PhD.